Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello. I'm currently under my duvet on my bed recording this because apparently that's where you get the best sound quality. Although it is really making me want to have a nap, but I have just woken up, so... I promise I won't do that. But anyway, I want to say a huge thanks to all of you who reviewed last week's episode with Alice, who sent me messages and shared it on your pages online. It's so kind of you, and I'm so glad that you enjoyed it as much as I did. This week, our guest is Jamie Windus. They are the editor of Fruitcake Magazine. They are a writer, journalist, activist, speaker, model... And this week's episode is all about how to be unapologetically you in a world that is trying to confine you into boxes and labels. I think you'll find this chat really inspiring, really eye-opening, and I highly recommend that you go and follow Jamie post the episode because they've just got some great content to share with you. Anyway, I hope you enjoy it. Bye! Hi guys and welcome to Adulting and this week I'm joined by Jamie Windust. Hello there. Hello. Thank you for allowing me to come and talk. Oh thanks so much for coming. <laughs> so Jamie is a writer, speaker and activist. Indeed, yes. Do you, do you have any other bits and bobs you want to add to that list? It's such a hilarious millennial list of just... Mine's pretty similar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do they call it? It's like... Um, hi- multi-hyphenate yes so like i mean yeah those are the big players i guess you could add model onto that if yeah you... Dep- this is the thing it depends who i'm around if i'm in like a fashion scene i'll be like, i'll say model yes i'll be like yeah i'm a model <laughs> <laughs> don't know if you know guys but i'm a model um but yeah that's the that's the kind of the big ones yeah love that it's so funny actually because if i'm around like family members or like slightly older people i just honestly make up my job oh yeah i can't be bothered i'm just like oh I work for social media. No, yeah. what's you? And I'm like, I work for Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> so I just can't be bothered to explain. If I'm around like old men, I'll just, which is quite rare, <laughs> but it does happen. Um, I'll just, just happen, unfortunately, sometimes. <laughs> I'll just be like, yeah, I'm a journalist and I write about politics. Or sometimes I just fully lie. And I, I just... do that in taxis as well. I lie. Yeah. Yeah. Say I'm a teacher. I just can't be bothered no. to, to explain. In a weird way, we're all kind of journalists now, aren't we? Exactly. Social uh, media. Yeah. But I bet actual journalists can be really funny like <laughs> <laughs> that. Anyone could be a journalist. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, and the other thing I wanted to ask you, because it's going to be kind of where our conversation is centred around today, but what mm. are your pronouns? Yeah, thank you. So I use they, them pronouns, Okay. Cool. Um, which is great. I think, you know... It's really important if you're unsure, there's kind of a, a few things you can do. So it's like, for example, like you just very kindly didn't ask. Or um, if you are unsure, just use their name. Yeah. Or sometimes it's just safer to just go with a they. And then if you are in a position where you can ask them, just maybe take whoever you want to a side and just be like, oh, by the way, what pronouns do you use? Um, for example, like I did a shoot this morning and it was really a really great environment because we all went around the room. Uh, I know everyone 
who thinks snowflakes are a thing are going to think this is hilarious. But like, we all went around the room and would just introduce ourselves, but also included pronouns in that introduction. Nice. But then it not only normalizes it for me, um, it just kind of normalizes it for everyone, which yes. I think is really great. I think that is really good. I actually been trying to practice just using they in general because I feel like it's going to become part of my lexicon more often. I don't mm. actually know anyone else who uses like non-binary pronouns right now. Yeah. So I was like, I just want to start saying they. Mm. But actually, it is once you do it, it becomes quite natural. But I've just been doing it in WhatsApp conversations. So about people that I'm talking about, you just <laughs> use that just because I wanted it to feel yeah more normal because I think people's pushback on it is like, oh, but I just it just comes out exactly and i think it's it's interesting because in in our language we do use it anyway for example like if someone um say someone has left a coat or a jacket or something in a in a coffee shop and you don't know whose it is yeah you just be like, oh they've left their coat so true over there <laughs> yeah i know it is funny that people have pushed back and the other thing actually about saying you're normalizing the group another thing i try to do now is say like white the white woman or mm. like when it talks about color because then it rebalances it so it's not just like we're only pointing out color when it's not a white person yeah absolutely that's really important because it's so often in spaces like that it is predominantly yeah. white people uh, yeah so with your activism side of things you're often campaigning for lgbtqi plus have i remembered all the letters <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> and what's your main goal so you write for fruitcake magazine right or you're the editor yeah so i'm the Again, that's another one of the hilarious things that I can add to my roster. Um, yeah, so I'm the editor-in-chief and founder, um, and it's just we've just celebrated our first birthday, huh. which is quite great. Um, yeah, so I mainly kind of look specifically on, from my perspective as a non-binary person. So whenever I write um, out in the media, am I allowed to say, um, like, brands or... Oh, you can say whatever you want. Media, okay, cool. Anything. <laughs> um, whenever I write for like media outlets, so like I write quite often for like Gay Times and The Independent, I'm often talking about my, I say you could say angle, but like my lived experience. So it does tend to be quite non-binary focused. But I do talk a lot about trans rights and kind of the the wider trans community. Um, but yeah, I, kind of, I think that's really important. Is when, for example, that like I could, I could obviously, I'm obviously an ally for all the other people within the community. But I think it's important that I'm to not speak over or speak for them. Uh, so that's why I predominantly just talk about what I yeah. live and what I know. With um, terminology, sorry, because I'm not always that okay with it. Mm. Is does non-binary fall under trans, or does trans fall under non-binary? Are they two separate? things that makes sense yeah so kind of like um non-binary if you looked at it definitively it would fall under the kind of trans umbrella mm -hmm. um essentially so it just it can it's one of those things where it's self-definitive so you can be non-binary and just just define yourself as that and be have content with that or you can be non-binary and define yourself also as trans and you feel right. like that using trans actually is a more of a um an easier word to describe yourself. It completely it's completely interdependent on who who is using it. Yeah, yeah. Um, for me, I do quite like the f feeling a part of the trans community. For mm. me, with labels, I think it's ironic. Non-binary essentially is to, to yeah is about not being uh, labeled or put into a box. But for me, I, I I like the the ways in which you can still claim your identity but not be labeled by it yeah and use it to actually form a community rather than 
a set of expectations. The idea of non-binary to me does just feel like it's super freeing because it actually mm. is just like being like, well, I'm just going to not be defined. Even though it is still a label, I completely, when I imagine like visually in my head, it's really funny when I think of the words non-binary, I do just see like a space, yeah. which is really nice to think about. Yeah, that's really nice. It's 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 just fun. Like I think that's why I get so frustrated with the media coverage or societal kind of perceptions of it is that it actually is very harmless and it's just yeah. people almost just more like people just being whatever they fancy what um how old are you now actually sorry 22 how what age did you start expressing yourself in the way because no one can see you right now obviously <laughs> but jamie's got the most beautiful make but is it do you call it makeup or do you call it is this just your everyday face yeah so this is the, <laughs> <laughs> this is actually my everyday face so now i would say go, go somewhere and find it go to my instagram go somewhere um I get it quite a lot. People just can't work out whether or not I'm going somewhere. Like I always get asked, like, oh, where are you going? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, bed? Or <laughs> so, oh, the shops. Um, but yeah, so this is my my makeup. But it's very it's very interesting. Like I started playing with makeup, I guess, probably when I was like 15, 16. But that was from a completely different perspective. Like I was using it in a way that most people do when they start is kind of just like um, to cover up or because yeah. they're insecure. Um, and then as I kind of explored my gender and femininity and kind of looked into that and kind of realized that it was quite fun, I realized that, that makeup and fashion and kind of aesthetics are a way to not only express yourself, but like just kind of, again, throw caution to the wind and just have a bit of fun. Yeah. Um, so yeah, my face is my face is a bit of fun. Let's let's call it that. <laughs> I love it though, and it's interesting because I have such a weird relationship with makeup, where I get much too caught up in almost like feminist arguments of like, am I wearing makeup because I've been conditioned to wear makeup, or am, is makeup actually really empowering? And I think it does yeah. both. But I think what's interesting about the way you use makeup is it's it's neither of those things. It's not conforming to what we deem as like normal feminine beauty, and it's yeah. also not just making yourself blend in. You've literally just created your whole personality which is why I wanted this episode to be called how to be you because I've mm. never seen anyone who is literally just being their own individual like I love it when you're like I'm a fucking alien or like you just yeah. <laughs> you're just like I'm just an individual yeah. living in this world and I'm not going to be confined by the structures that exist around me yeah because I always get asked like literally daily either in person or online like why people are like yeah, yeah but why why are you doing well, like why are you wearing all of that or like why have you got 95 necklaces on or like you know stupid <laughs> I do questions. enjoy that and about necklaces as well. <laughs> and it's like yeah and it's like I always say like why not like it sounds a bit like sometimes people get a bit put off by it they think I'm a bit snobby but I'm like yeah but why not like mm. if you genuinely think about it, like who is telling you not to it's most of the time it's yourself do you know what else is weird though I was thinking about this the other day is when I was little my mum would always go on and on about how we can't have tattoos where you can see them because you just won't get a job and how mm. much has that changed now like that yeah. no one would give a crap now but how weird that our parents would think that that's okay to not give someone a job because yeah. you've decided to decorate your own skin yeah. in a way that you like <laughs> exactly it's so it's, it's so bizarre I just mm. it, it does baffle me because what I always say is that I really don't take myself too seriously unless I need to. Yeah. So, like, for example, in my activism and my work, I'm talking about quite serious topics. However, I think, actually, on the flip side, it makes me laugh almost when people can look at me and think that I'm taking myself really seriously when I've got, like, you know, white foundation and blush all around my face. Like, I'm clearly just having a 
bit of yeah. a laugh. <laughs> but I also think you're very, I, the way that um, following you is really inclusive, I find, because I think the way you write about the things that you go through or like things that people in the trans community might go through that I wouldn't necessarily be able to understand is mm. in a very open way. Yeah. So, for instance, you did a post, I think it was yesterday, talking about the way that people want to see you, but they don't want to hear from you. Yeah. And it was interesting, so I was actually thinking that's the kind of rhetoric that we as that, that women were using yeah. not that long ago, and it's the same thing. It's mm. like, I want to look at you, and I want to kind of own own your, the way that you look. Someone literally filmed Jamie on their story, which you'd put on your Instagram, and I can't mm. believe that. Yeah, that's really, it's really bizarre, that kind of, yeah, talking about visibility, because I think a lot of people think that this is in terms of kind of like w the work that I do in terms of like modeling or or being given um, positions or jobs in that are media focused. Mm. People think that by just solely putting me in that position and making me visible is going to solve all of my, not my problems, but like the community's problems. It actually doesn't really solve anything in, in essence that actually can danger um, or put us at risk because you're just putting us onto a huge platform um like for example i did a piece with bbc london quite recently mm. and i just like for whatever reason i just didn't really feel like it was right like the language was quite basic the team were quite um were all cisgendered so there was no kind of trans inclusion in that respect from the team so i just was like oh, i don't really fancy this going out um and then they didn't tell me and they just published it onto like the news. So I remember I, it was a couple of weeks ago, I just woke up and I was like, oh my God, I'm literally mm. like all over BBC London. Um, and that's a, like, a massive example of just how actually visibility done wrong is actually really harmful because it really took its toll on my like mental health. And I was just like, this is really stressful because I'm having people like, see me like, millions of people mm. um so that's kind of yeah visibility is a is a is a tough one but it's like i think the people who are being visible should always have the the onus behind how yeah. they're being seen well it's like to put it more obviously in terms of like why it's dangerous is you see it on things like for instance in our own communities on instagram where you have your following they're generally everyone who follows you is really supportive and very kind and understands what you're doing mm. but if you see someone who's got an instagram following then post on the daily mail and you read the daily mail comments when that reaches a wider audience it can turn really nasty and i can yeah. completely understand why for you when you're rhetoric which is very specific and people who are attuned to it will understand but mm. people who have never seen it before can be really awful and it can be yeah. really scary i wanted to talk to you as well actually about that about you had at one point you had a taxi fund didn't you because mm. you want to explain to people how the, the difficulty is everyone's like oh just be yourself and that's a really great message to put out but then you actually can put yourself in danger by trying to just live an existence that you want to live yeah that was a difficult one the taxi fund because it was something that i knew um, I knew a lot of people in my in my life, uh, like friends and stuff, had done it before, so I knew it was something that was possible. But I just kind of felt almost guilty that I couldn't um, essentially just use public transport. But then I realised that you know that problem is not mine. Yeah. Um, so I set up a basically a, a GoFundMe page to to allow people to donate so that I could travel safely around London because I think what what's interesting about that is people think when they look at the word safety they think that I must be in like immediate physical danger and it's not always physical danger like 99% of the time it's not 
um, there's no physicalities behind the vulnerable position I'm in. It's, mm. it's about my mental health or my kind of invasion of privacy or just like one thing I think a lot of people do that they don't think is harmful is like staring. Like staring is really, it's not only really rude, it's just like really invasive because mm. it's, you know, the tube is a confined space anyway. You can't choose who you get on the tube with, unfortunately. So it's, I always just got to a point where I was like, this is awful. And I remember the, f the, the first day that I used the fund, it was like literally changed everything. I was like, this is, I don't only feel like Mariah Carey, but I feel like... <laughs> Like, this is great because I don't have to interact with people that I don't want to. And I think, yeah. like you said earlier, when when that message goes to a wider audience who've never heard of it before, their immediate reaction is, you're being selfish, mm. uh, everyone has to get the tube, it's just a part of life, living in London, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, actually, no offence, but like, you have a lot of privilege when it comes to things like this. Yeah. Um. But yeah. That was really grateful. I'm really grateful for that. Like yeah. It, it, and obviously it's not just because you don't want to use the tube. The tube's really convenient. You would use it mm. if you felt like it would be safe for you. But it's the fact that I think this is what's really difficult. The same people that say, oh, why are you moaning so much are the same people that make places really inhospitable for people mm. that don't fit into gender conforming or sexuality conforming or whatever it might be. Yeah. When you first, I don't even know, I don't even like saying coming out anymore because I feel like <laughs> I don't want coming out to be a thing. Yeah. Um, especially because I follow Florence, so I know you're a really good friend, so I'm obsessed with, and I've just decided <laughs> that everyone is on a spectrum of sexuality, well, and that you kind of veer it in points of your life or depending on your condition or whatever. But did you, I don't even know if you would, Jen, how did your, how did you reach the identity that you're at now? Or mm. did you always feel this way? Or, and like, did you have a family response to it, if you want to answer that? like Yeah, no, absolutely. It was kind of a, it's one of those things that I, Throughout, kind of like, for, again, from the ages of like 15 onwards, I had a fairly kind of open mindset to most things. Mm. So I was just kind of like, again, that, the same mindset that I have now, I'm just like, yeah, why not? Like, I want to do that, so why not? Um, <laughs> which is quite good in some circumstances, but others it might be a bit precarious. Um, not very adult of me. Um, <laughs> um and it was just kind of like a process of me at the time when I was like 16, thinking that I was just like an effeminate gay person. Mm. Like I didn't, hadn't really correlated it to gender at that point. And I was just like, okay, yeah, like I'd always been quite flamboyant or quite feminine. So I was like, that's absolutely fine. It was when I kind of realized that actually the combination of expressing how I express and then the expectation of me still being like cisgendered and male, mm. those two things came into conflict. Um, not with myself, but just with like how I would then be treated in circumstance yeah. certain circumstances. So I'd be like, people would, if I was to go there and they'd be like, oh, yeah, you're, and I would say I'm cisgendered male, but I'm gay. It would kind of, it's people couldn't sit with that. Yeah. Which is not, a, like you can, absolutely valid to do that if you want to do that. But for me, I just felt like actually if I, find something else like it's, I always felt like there was something else but I was like I don't really know what it is I was like I know I'm not um like binary trans like mm. I don't want to necessarily transition into a binary gender I was like I just kind of want to be a bit of nothing almost yeah. um and then I found out about non-binary identities through kind of just like social media essentially and online resources and just kind of really looking into it um 
and then I was just like, oh, okay. Like, it wasn't, a, it wasn't like a massive, like, hurrah. I was just kind of like, okay, that really fits. And then I was just like, sure, let's do that. <laughs> do <you laughs> it know, was really weird. As you're saying of. that, you just haven't really had a realisation, which is really obvious, but it's just that we do things... I think we always think we're doing this for us, and sometimes we know things are extrinsic. But when you said, I didn't want to elicit a certain response, so I realised if I changed the way I look, it would change how other people... Mm. I hadn't really made that link to the fact that I know I do it because I actually like, actively will do it. I'll think... I even said it yesterday, I was shooting with a photographer, and we were talking about how you don't want to shoot in Hyde Park. And we were like, well, we're both small and blonde, so if someone comes up to us, we'll just pretend we didn't know, which is awful. Yeah. But <laughs> like, it's a, the, one of the only great privileges of being like looking like you're stupid <laughs> yeah, yeah, is pretending that you're stupid. Yeah. But you do... We all do fit around each other and try to make... Not only make ourselves happy, but create a response that we want from other people with the way that we dress. Mm. And a lot of the time we might end up pushing ourselves into places that we don't want to be because we think that's how, for where the way we're dressing, people are supposed to react to us. I don't yeah. know if I've explained that right, but the, when you no, were yeah. talking, I just had a whole, ooh. Yeah, because I, I think it's important because I, that's exactly right. It's, it's, it's about, I think it's important to know that, although, yes, that was a massive reason why I did it. I didn't do it for other people. You know, I didn't yeah, do yeah, it just yeah. to, to evade that kind of thought processes from other people. But, yeah, when you when you start to think about it, you kind of just presume how other people are going to react based off of so many factors, based off of their gender, their race, their kind of their age, so many factors. So when you actually try and t when you take that away in regards to gender, yeah, it's so much easier because people. Well, for me, I just feel like there's no expectations being put on me. Yeah, it's because, interesting. But bizarrely, there obviously are because, like for example, when people. If people aren't aware of non-binary identities, they—that's why I think people get so confused by me because they—they literally don't know how to treat me because th their brains like, okay, so I know how to talk to a man and a woman. My brain hasn't processed all the stereotypical responses yeah. that I would give to someone who's nothing like neither. Yeah. Um. That's why I find it really funny with men because they're like. You look feminine, so to treat you like a woman and harass you, but also you look like a man a bit. So do I call you mate? It's like really funny. They yeah. just don't get it, um, which I love. I, yeah. I, I love that sometimes. Yeah, I think <laughs> making people feel awkward is really fun. Yeah, I always say that. I, I love making people uncomfortable because it just shows how hilariously fragile their lives are. <laughs> and it shows it shows that people it pushes their boundaries. <laughs> Great segue. So I really want to talk to you. You talk a lot about boundaries and it's something that I'm trying to learn to practice myself because I realised that I... One of my um, things that I used to think was good about myself, aka being a people pleaser, is actually so negative because mm. it means that you like give too much for yourself or you actually aren't recognizing it's really damaging. And I've learned that from following people like you and Florence in Africa. Yeah. Can mm. you explain Africa. a bit more about... She's so good. So good. Um, about boundaries and how you employ this to help you, one, live in the way that you want to live, but also why it's positive to teach others about boundaries because it's such a new thing I'm coming across, but it mm. all intersects perfectly with what we're talking about. Absolutely. I think after kind of spending time with people like Florence and and really just like-minded people and amazing people who uplift, we like uplift each other and we learn from each other so much, I think boundaries was a massive kind of, again, similar to like how you just said, like a gap for me where I was like, I've never really thought about this. Yeah. Um, and it's so easy to fall into kind of traps where you, your boundaries are just 
not there because I think people think boundaries means walls mm. and actually it's not you're not putting up a wall you're just kind of protecting yourself and your energy and your time sorry okay <laughs> <laughs> um you're protecting your energy and your time and you're, you're kind of just making sure that you are your best self yeah and I think it's it is difficult because for example like when you employ those boundaries around the people closest to you they can sometimes get a bit jarred mm. or they can kind of be like are you off of me or are you x y and z and it's like no i'm just like you know having a bit of time like i'm just doing me um because i think people initially think when you talk about boundaries they think instantly to boundaries in relationships mm. um and like romantic relationships and obviously that is super important but i think it's also important to have boundaries in like all aspects of your life like work kind of socializing just in every essence, you need to be able to know when is right to give your time and energy and when is not. Um, especially for me, because it's like, you know, it's emotional labor. Yeah. And if I constantly give and give and give, then I'm not going to be able to <laughs> give yeah. anymore. Well, that's, it's kind of like the thing of putting your oxygen mask on first, that you can't help mm. someone if you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also it seems like we're, we've come so far away from this boundary zone. I think it's really great things. Even thinking about London, like people, especially my friends who work in the city, mm. they will go into work ridiculously early, leave ridiculously late, be absolutely exhausted and be doing like running off nothing. Whereas if we gave people space to recoup and have energy, I know that's a really boring analogy, but I do, you do see it more and more. You see it with doctors and junior doctors who are exhausted to mm. the point where it's like they're not safe to perform operations. And I'm just trying to think of like obvious things. And the more I think about boundaries, what makes so much sense that we just actually take time for ourselves and I know that people think we're millennial selfish or whatever but you can't <laughs> you can't give if you've got nothing in yeah. you absolutely it's 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 I, I always think about that in terms of work like for example um yesterday I did something that was quite like emotionally intense um and I knew that in the evening I had an uh, an event where I was asked to go and also do a, something that was on similar levels of emotional intensity. So I just rang the organizers and was like, guys, I've had like a really heavy day, like super emotional, wasn't, <laughs> didn't think it was going to happen. Um, like, is it okay if I just like skip mm. or just like not go? Because I'm, A, they're not going to get me at my best. And B, like it would be detrimental to, to me and my kind of, mental health essentially yeah. to just like push myself to the limit um because it's like what i find is like pushing yourself physically isn't necessarily as hard as pushing yourself mentally because yeah. it's, it's it's harder to try and recoup um your brain especially when for example like this week i've literally got so much stuff on because of pride which is amazing mm. but it's like i'm i'm like very aware that i need to have some Jamie time because Definitely. otherwise I'm just gonna like fizzle out. <laughs> Can we talk about Pride a little bit? I saw you mm. posting on your stories today that you couldn't figure out where your stance was or was that yesterday? Yeah, yeah. And Scotty as well spoke about this previously and I guess I'd never really thought about it but I noticed it because I position myself as 
feminist but almost too obviously brands will when it's international women's day suddenly be like oh and only we'd love to work with you and i'm like yeah. you've never ever spoken to me before you just noticed that i actually took feminist that one by because you said intersectional feminist and i actually think people are giving me jobs based on the fact of <laughs> searching who would be in line for this women empowerment thing yeah um so i do completely but then do you think of the argument where you're like you might have bad intentions, but it still bolsters the movement in a positive way. Is that kind of where you're caught between? Yeah, it's really difficult. Like I had a, I had a situation yesterday where I got offered something that I was like, Ooh. I was like, I always think like, if it wasn't Pride Month, would mm. I do it? Mm. And I always, I basically rang them back and I was like, my kind of conclusion that I've come to is make your money because they don't want you any other time of the year. Yeah. And I know it's a bit, bizarre and you know capitalism gross but i'm also like i say that i'll do it if i have creative or or um intellectual control over yes. the conversations that are happening for example like the job yesterday i was like i'm happy to do this it is a, maybe a bit of a reach for me but if i can decide who's in the room like who i'm going to be talking with because it's to host something like and i can control the conversations not in a domineering way, but just so like that it's not a waste of time. Yeah. Then I'll do it because yeah, like you say, it's good to kind of keep that mm. pride momentum going. Um but the the amount of just bare audacity from people that want you to do stuff for free in that month is mm. actually just hilarious. Yeah. Um and also I kind of accept the offers then because a lot of them come from places that I've tried to work with that whole year and they've been like, now's not the right time. Like, yeah. And I'm like, I literally sometimes have emailed editors back and be like, are you literally waiting for June? <laughs> and they're like, I'm afraid so, yeah. So I'll be like, okay, I'll come back to you in June because unfortunately sometimes you do have to play the game yeah. a bit. Um, but that's what I try and do on social is keep it... Um, Actually, I'm going to be truthful now. I didn't know that I put that on my story. I thought I clicked close friends, <laughs> which I'm is really I'm not funny. one of close friends. It wasn't green. <laughs> Definitely normal. And I went on it because my mum replied to it, like, stop smoking. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, no. I was like, oh, that's really bad, isn't it? So, like, a lot of people see me just, I was, like, sat in an I think that alleyway. was a really good, I didn't think it was out of place. I actually really related to it because it's that, that, mind struggle especially think when you position yourself as someone who's quite socially aware mm. i find it hard all the time because i'm like i need to live so i do need to earn money exactly. but all of these businesses fundamentally at some level if it's a big company are going to go against my values but we can't just be broke because like yeah. you can't just not get paid but i think funnily enough when you have some kind of any kind of social justice want or you start any of those conversations you almost feel more guilty mm. than the people who are literally doing the committing the worst crimes yeah. because your level of empathy goes i don't know what it is i don't want to sound like what my hubris seems to be that i'm like so good but <laughs> no yeah it's about like i always say to florence like when people who are a combination of like social change makers and also big ish online we're put on such a pedestal mm. that we could be doing like like we can all be doing more but when we're literally doing like quite a lot the people who are doing the bare minimum aren't even scrutinized it's the people yeah. like us who are actually like watched over with the magnifying glass and it's like no offense but you have to be strategic about these things you yeah. have to be able to think okay yeah i might not work with this company normally however if i can 
almost get in there now and maybe say something that is going to help someone yeah. and make people think I'd rather do that than than not do it. And the likelihood is if you're getting paid by campaign, that's only going to elevate you to be able to almost redistribute that income because the more we redistribute that wealth and decentralize the power from voices that are the same, then the yeah. better it's going to be. Exactly. But I was saying the other day, it was so funny, someone got really pissed off at me because I was doing a Q&A and someone asked me what I thought about marriage and I said, oh, I don't agree with like where it's coming from. It's all about ownership, but like I would quite like to have a ring and a party. And I got this sways the message of being mm. like you haven't spoken at all about how the financial part of marriage is so important blah 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 it was so long and I was reading it and I was about to find I was like wait a minute no, you're angry like you're just projecting your own insecurities and then I went on Twitter and saw the stuff where someone's threatening to rape Jess Phillips and I swear oh, yeah. that MP probably got less shit than I did yeah and I genuinely think MPs get away with more I just don't understand it's just bizarre like that level yeah again like that level of you just saying your opinion mm. but then being like yeah but what about this 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 and it's like okay yeah obviously we're both white so we can talk about our white privilege and mm. we can talk about our able body privilege and we can we can acknowledge those things and and make our answers attribute to that however we can't talk about everything no like i kept getting asked for comment on um castor semenya and I was like, I obviously have opinions on this. However, I'm I don't write about sport. No. I don't I'm not like a, a biologist, so I don't really know like all the actual ins and outs. Um and also I'm not a woman yeah. of colour or a person of colour. So like it's not really my 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 voice isn't needed here. Yeah. I can give my opinion, but like it's not necessarily probably not as credible. Yeah, like it's it's yeah. Like go and speak to someone who's maybe interested in this and who's working in this field. Like it's just funny that we all get grouped into that. Yeah, I think it's just lazy. Yeah, if I'm totally honest. The other thing, because it's interesting, obviously we're sat here and a lot of what we're talking about is gender and activism. But obviously, I imagine that your goal or hope is that one day you'll you'll be able to write about whatever you want and it won't have mm. to be through the lens of I am an LGBTQI activist or even just write your story without having to preface it with how you got there. And I know I'm asking you um, because I'm still guilty of... I think gender's the latest thing that I've, I'm have i getting my head around mm. to just being completely transparent. But oh, yeah. I do think that at the same time as us being saying things are negative, we are coming sways forward. Like, mm. Do you think it's getting better? Yeah, I think there's definitely, it's definitely progressed. Like to say to say that it hasn't would be a lie. Mm. Um, do we have a long way to go? Absolutely. But I think, you know, it goes back to what we we're saying. It's about infiltrating mm. and not in a weird way, but just like <laughs> it's about making sure that you know, to continue that progress that we put ourselves in positions and by by our I mean people who are who are able and want to do it. Put ourselves in positions where, you know, we, we haven't been here before, mm. but we want to actually begin to change the system. Um and I think a lot of that activism to make things more progressive is actually um behind the scenes or invisible. Yeah. Like I've started doing quite a lot of stuff that's not in the media or not focused on me putting on my social media because I'd rather do that and kind of almost be a consultant in yeah. these spaces than 
do it publicly for no reason. It's something that I've literally just started talking about. It's so funny to say that, but I've realized that what you do in private spaces is so much more important than what you do in public spaces because mm. in public as well, if we talk about some kind of activism, the people who are going to interact with that, one, it might be not not that we're necessarily virtue signaling, but it can be quite empty and people will go, oh, hurrah, well done, but not yeah. really do anything. Whereas if you have a close friend who makes a bigoted remark and you kind of call them up and go, you, you know what, this is not okay, mm. they're obviously going to listen. And I think that what we've got to encourage I actually, I literally did a TED Talk poll the other day and um, uh, yes. it was about, it was called Tomorrow's Day and one of the things I said in it was that, I know we call influencers like disparaging, but we all have influence and if we all mm. take that and recognise it, we can have so much power. Like it's a bit like the whole veganism argument, like if we all eat one less steak, if we all just tell one more homophobic person to stop being yeah. homophobic, it would be better than sometimes empty shouts on social media which i do think can fall on deaf ears mm. sometimes yeah fully it's it, that's so important like having the conversations and almost like drip feeding it mm. because you don't have to i think people pr presume that i for example if i go into a room and someone says something transphobic that i'm gonna like absolutely go wild and it's like okay no i'm obviously not gonna be best pleased but yeah i understand that if i sometimes that situation doesn't need me to be angry. I can just kind of have a conversation. And, yeah. you know, not, like a lot of the times that when things happen like that, it's the malice, the intention isn't malicious. Yeah. Um, however, that doesn't mean that it's not hurtful. I think no, that's totally. important. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Um... Yeah, well, exactly. Like, we're all influencers. I think that word has become so skewed now mm. that it's like we actually all are in our own circles and in our own ways and, and the conversations that we have. So do you think, I can imagine that you must be having a massively positive impact to, well, I want to say younger people, but actually I think the interesting thing with things like gender is actually probably older generations are almost probably more impacted by the negative conditioning we have around gender than younger people because I feel like it looks like there's a massive positive change in younger mm. communities in terms of gender yeah I do get quite a lot of quite a large response from um <laughs> I'm not gonna say old because they're like 30 <laughs> <laughs> but like or just like people who are just like <laughs> genuine adults with yeah. like kids and that are just like that what I really appreciate is when they tell me things that they're I've made them like raise their children differently mm. or not like in a in a bizarre way but just like they it's made them think about the ways in which that they they are bringing up their children yeah um and because they tend to do it and I think again it's unconscious bias they tend to do it in quite a gendered way um and actually to do it in a in a neutral way or just in a way that's mm. like you can do what you want it's actually so much it's easier for them because they can just be like yeah do what you want and it, that I think that's the thing that the critique of or the kind of arguments against non-binary and trans identities when it comes to kids is that we're, people like myself and other activists are making these children neutral. And it's like, 
or you know making them trans and it's mm. like actually no what we're what we're trying to do is just let them know that here are all the options mm. or ways that you can go about your life if you want to do it in a binary sense rock and roll but know that other people don't and when you say it like that it just sounds so ridiculous that people are literally killed for being trans i just can't yeah. i can't quite get my head around it and it was funny i was in little the other day and i was watching and this mum went to her son she pointed to all the little boys magazines was going which ones you want and he'd so he then didn't even look mm. at the little girls magazines yeah. i was like actually that's really interesting because he might not want to play with a truck he might just want to play with eyeshadow yeah. and neither of those things are gendered we've gendered inanimate objects yeah. and been like you can't have that yeah and i thought god it does start so young and that mum mm. obviously wasn't thinking about it it's just that's what she's been taught yeah so that drip feeding thing i think is really important and i i think about gender all the time in terms of children and actually i think back to my own childhood and i do think that had i not been brought up so um so conditioned to be girly especially my generation it was so much about that then i do think i would have gone to sport younger i probably mm. would have had a very different i probably would have a very different lived experience yeah for the better yeah because it, it just opens you up i think that's yeah. like, like i said like you, you it doesn't force you into one path it just makes you aware of all of them and then it's like you can literally decide what you want to do now did you when you were so were you wearing makeup at school when you were 15 um so school school no but like sixth form yeah so like 16 17 um i did but not <laughs> not to this extent was it an okay experience what, what were your peers were they good about it um what was that i think it was a bit bizarre um i'm just trying to think <laughs> But mentally blocked out those. Oh no, sorry. No, no, it's fine. No, I have fully haven't been dramatic. Um, <laughs> I think it was like a, almost like a progression. Like it got to a point where my fashion kind of was elevated. Yeah. To an incredible level. No, <laughs> <laughs> it is quite incredible to that. To like a level of kind of feminine expression, and I kind of just was like, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna rock them out. Um, and then the makeup came after. However. Yeah, it was kind of, you know, I'm originally from Dorset, so it was quite, like, yeah, wild. Um, <laughs> Quiet Dorset. Yeah, so it was it was definitely a shock, but I think I have I had that mentality that I have now where I was like, yeah, but I really want to, so I'm just going to... It's such a good mentality. Where did that come from? Have you just always been quietly <laughs> assured in yourself? See, that's the thing, no, because I, I found one of my old school reports the other day, and I forgot... I don't know how I forgot this, but I was like, oh, yeah, I used to be, like, really, really shy. Really? Like, ridiculously shy. Because all my school reports used to be like, yeah, Jamie does really well, but they don't, like, they need to speak more. Or, like, it would be great if <laughs> it'd be great if Jamie made friends. Or, like, things like that. And I was like, I'd, I'd like, almost forgotten. Because I'm, like, I'm writing a book at the moment, and I had to, like, essentially go back and, like, look at, yeah stuff so that do you think that was probably because you just felt so like you didn't know who you were or you just do you think it was that or yes yeah, so that's the thing that like, i was thinking about it. i was like why was i why, why was i like that and then i think it was a mixture of like being outcast because at that time like i was um this was like in a time of when we were at school so i was in a uniform mm. um i was wasn't wearing any makeup or anything but i was fairly like flamboyant and quite <laughs> quite gay so like i think that was it 
and also just because there were literally no other out gay people at school. So, so were you out from a very young age? It's kind of one of those things where I didn't have onus over my own coming out. Right. People just made the assumption. Yeah, people were just kind of like, we think you're gay, so we're going to like tell everyone you're gay and then now you're gay. And, it's and was like, it quite a me? Because when I was younger, it was that age when people saying you're gay was nasty. Yeah, it was, they still definitely had that. Um, that kind of rhetoric to it and it was it was frustrating because I only recently realised that that I was like oh yeah I didn't actually have control over my own coming out essentially because I it was done for me mm. even though at the time I obviously knew um, like I've never had the classic like sit down with anyone because people just yeah tend to know which is you know it has its benefits but it's also like mm, I'd quite like to ha- take some some control over that I guess yeah and also, I guess it's that it's the other binary idea of that just because someone acts camp or in a certain way, it means that they sexually navigate themselves. It's that again, the binary problem of yeah, it could have been that you weren't gay and you just had that personality. Yeah, that's why I, I love the I love tricking not tricking. What's the word? I love um, <laughs> like catching people out because they're like, oh, non-binary identities are only for a specific minority, and it's like actually, if we all kind of elevated ourselves away from the binary, then we can all just be free yeah. to do what we want without expectation like yeah. it helps people of all genders to think about gender in a less binary way because like you say if you just have um a cisgendered male friend who's just quite camp mm. um and everyone around him was just like yeah he's just camp it doesn't mean anything yeah. then it's like his life's easier he doesn't have all these expectations on him i don't know if this is too much of a way to question it in that it would because it's like almost unimaginable but say we did have a more elevated understanding of gender and really saw it as a construct, do you think that it would allow for more people to be non-binary or present in whatever they want, way they want without feeling like they had to be transgender, if that makes sense? Or do you think that that transgender would always exist if we didn't, like, so much ascribe certain traits to literal sexual anatomy? Does that make sense as a question? Yeah. Um... <laughs> Is it problematic? Um... <laughs> I'm like ah! I don't know I don't I mean maybe it's not maybe it is I don't know I don't think I don't know it's not problematic <laughs> don't worry um, I think no I think trans people would still exist because yeah well I suppose there's always going to be a definitive it's always just you might just want to be the other thing yeah 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 because it's 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 I'm just trying to look. <laughs> quite a lot of maths isn't it so <laughs> no it is um i think if we all got to a, that point of elevation it would just be so much freer for yeah. people of all genders yeah um and it's just more it'd just be more enjoyable like it would just be like if we all just had that empathy and i always talk about empathy of just being able to be like okay you're over here and you're doing this cool here like and in your own brain you can be like okay these are some of the challenges this person might face great let's help them with that um i think people when you talk about empathy or allyship people always think that it's like i literally need you to hold my hand Mm. and like walk me down the street and it's like well no there are like so many simple things that you can do like really close friends of mine if they know that we're going to be out late they'll like and it's and it's for something that they're doing they'll put me in an uber home or like just I always, I always find it a tiny bit sad because I saw, 
I bumped into someone who I knew the other day in Shoreditch and it was like 10, half 10 at night and um, they were trans and they were like, we were talking and then we're like, we said goodbye and we like properly held each other and we're like, get home safe, like message when you get home. And it's like, we you know we don't even know each other, but just that le- that level of awareness that we both know that it's not safe for us to be out now. Mm. Um, you know, if we can even be allies within our own community, it's, it's, yeah. it's really interesting. So what other ways of allyship? I mean, I guess I guess the best thing that anyone could do is try and spread allyship further because the, the biggest enemy to anything is always ignorance, I think. Mm. And so I think probably those people that are commenting on the Daily Mail or are seeing your think programme on the BBC that have just never been introduced to it because mainstream media outlets probably aren't platforming voices like yours or mm. they're not hiring yeah. non-binary, transgender, different identities. It means that you can leave... Uh, breeding ground of kind of prejudice and and misnomer and misunderstanding and I think that's why social media is so positive but then also social media is a young liberal well if you're following certain crowds it's the same people yeah so how do we what would your goal be in terms of or as if I want to be a better ally how can I how can I make it easier and better if that makes sense in terms for like for you or me for you um I think it's about understanding that people like myself, like, and I'm quite a specific example of like, I have platformed myself online to, within reason, educate people on this. Yeah. You know, I'm giving my time, my energy um, to educate allies. However, I think it's really important to remember that not all trans and non-binary people are spokespeople yeah like yeah. you can't just because you see people like myself doing it or other people from marginalized groups doing it doesn't mean that you can go to every member of that group and be like hey so what bathroom do you use or you know like can you help me like i just really don't because it's not it's invasive and it's just too much i think it would be about making sure that you are doing your own research because there's not like there's honestly nothing better than so I went a bit Australian there. There's nothing better than going to, like me meeting someone or doing a job or something and them just fully understanding and knowing everything about how to, about like language with me and kind of yeah. just like general awareness because A, it proves that it's not difficult because I think people think that, <laughs> like people think that I'm going to walk into a room and everyone's going to be like, oh my God, Jamie's here. All right, everybody be nice. And it's like, it's, no, just like treat me yeah. like an like a normal person because actually I'm I'm just maybe not as common. I mean, common as in <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Not common as in rude. Um, <laughs> as as everyone else, like it's just about that level of awareness is so impactful to people like me because then I I just instantly feel at ease. Yeah, um, which I often don't in especially in work situations because like the media is actually. A bit vile. <laughs> well, it's it's interesting, isn't it? What do you feel about in this moment in time where a bit what I was talking about, like with feminism, but when people suddenly are doing, this is awful. I saw that it's kind of not the same thing. It's kind of is the same thing. Opoly, which is like a bikini brand. Oh, yeah. Have you seen that they've made a separate page called Opoly Inclusive? And uh. on Opoly Inclusive page, they have uh, fatter models, women of color, and basically 
separate from the normal skinny white women, they've got a whole new page. And they obviously thought that this would be an amazing step in inclusion yeah. and diversity. But how could you make anything less inclusive and less diverse than literally separating it yeah. from your main? And this kind of rhetoric is where it goes, it really falls on its face because mm. it's like you see it with media a lot. I've seen, I mean, I need to stop reading the Daily Mail, but I really can't help looking at the TV and showbiz section only oh, for yeah. the photos. Mm. Don't actually read them, but accidentally sometimes do. And you can see where they've tried to make an effort to be inclusive and it's almost worse. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. That's what I always say. I'm like, you, it, if you actually had just not, <laughs> it would have been better. Yeah, because they think they like they always think that by doing again, it's like talking about visibility. They think that just by putting someone mm. who is visible, visibly different, um, or visibly not as common in this scenario, that their job's done. Yeah. Um, things like that, like the El Poly thing, are just almost laughable because it's like you've got so many other brands out there um yeah i studied fashion business so throughout my three years there was a lot of discussions around um trends and people always used to bring out gender and i'd be like okay from a business perspective as you know if we look at fashion yeah it does kind of make business sense actually to make your clothes as inclusive as possible because mm. you're going to sell more but yeah. that, that doesn't mean that you can't do it in the right way. Like, don't just... It's about intention. Like, don't do it for the financial gain. Yeah. Like, that thing with El Poly is just very clearly them trying to appear mm. some kind of way and actually falling on their face. Um, again, like with media, we say, like, if you just hire... <laughs> if you just hire us, I know it's a crazy concept, <laughs> and actually pay us a living wage, then, A, you're not going to get as much... Um, much of a bad reaction if it doesn't go right and B you're going to be able to feel morally okay in knowing that as an editor you've platformed a voice yeah. that is authentic and I was just thinking about it when I was thinking about how you said because you write for the Gay Times isn't it so interesting that we even have to have a Gay Times yeah I I, I love I really do enjoy their platform because in the past kind of like year or so they've had a massive kind of rebrand and focus on since sponsor um <laughs> refocus on kind of queer voices and okay. lgbtq plus voices throughout the whole community across the world so it's that is cool. it's less predominantly cisgendered white gay yeah. men um I do agree with you in some respect, yeah. Only because those gay writers or those people that are writing in those magazines then are only writing to that specific audience. And mm. so the people that probably need to hear those stories, aka a white middle-class cisgendered man mm. who's reading the Daily Mail or whatever, will never, because they're never going to go and pick up yeah. gay times, are they? And that's the only reason why it's a shame that you mm. have to have those spaces, or like the fact that we have Women's Hour, which is lots of one hour on the whole of Radio <laughs> 4 for women. But that is just funny. <laughs> I mean, those spaces are really helpful, but then it just shows, yeah. I think... The when, echo chamber. Yeah, but it's it actually baffling when you actually think about the fact that we have to create inclusion and diversity, the fact that these initiatives have to exist yeah. is, is quite baffling, really. I was at... Um, don't care if they're listening. Hello, everyone. Um, I was at a a meeting yesterday in Parliament, which and it was part of an all parliamentary party group on fashion and fashion and representation and diversity and how they can make the fashion industry in the UK essentially more diverse. And it was okay. so interesting to hear how these type of people um, 
essentially approach problems like this because right. they're very methodical and they're very kind of like we need bullet points we need x y and z we need to know what we're doing and i was kind of just like wow like this is really wild because a hilarious i'm in parliament what, what's happening <laughs> um and b it's kind of like there's it's such a complex issue that we actually need to like most issues in the UK or the world you need to actually look not at the fashion industry mm. and look wider well that's one I didn't even know they discussed fashion in parliament I know crazy who, who knew but also fashion is a representation of culture and culture is a, is a reflection of society so fashion's not going to be diverse until parliament <laughs> is diverse and inclusive it's, it's yeah. ironic to look at that when fashion's like a symptom of whatever's going on exactly I did get a bit um, I had to apologise to them afterwards because I got a bit angry good for you and I was like I did get a bit angry just because I, they're basically like how do you feel about this and I was like yeah, it was really good, but I was also like, I'm not going to lie, I'm quite frustrated by the conversations that are happening in here because they're very analytical, like, and 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 they're very, like, they're almost treating it like a business problem. Mm. And I was like, that's fine. I understand a lot of people here are business people, absolutely valid. However, like, for me, it's so much more than that, and I think you know, the work that they're doing and, and the the research paper there is, is going to be an amazing thing. And I don't discredit that. And I do think it was, it was an amazing opportunity. However, I just kind of was like... Do you think it's frustrated. lacking emotion? Maybe emotion, but also just kind of like... It's one of those situations where, and I'm sure you'll understand, like once you've opened those floodgates of social awareness and you actually realise and openly discuss with other people who have also done that, mm. the amount of problems mm. within, you know, this was just the fashion industry, let alone like wide society, it just becomes very heavy. Yeah. You're just kind of like, wow, these are so many things. And it's like, like I said, you, you can't just fix them within the fashion industry. They're no. like ingrained societal unconscious bias. You can't easily go and change that so it was just maybe maybe a moment of just like realization of how yeah dire it, it can it, be it is stressful because i do feel like that it's like putting plasters on stuff but not actually like looking after it i yeah. do feel like that's an issue but one thing that i'm thinking like with the influencing i started to think recently is maybe we need to stop being so worried about whether or not parliament are going to catch up with us or whether or not mm. the systems are going to fix it because i do think that actually as people we do have like power to create change yeah and I think sometimes it can be really damning and and feel quite depressing when you're like, why is this not happening? But actually, if you look at even the way the media is taking the toll, like mainstream media, yes, it still actually is so important, especially when reaching those people. But Twitter and social media have massively changed the way that we digest news and information and mm. stories. Yeah. And it is, I think that is a really positive thing. Yeah, like Extinction Rebellion are a massive example yeah. of that. Like the fact that they... Yeah, like you say, they 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 brought their message very loud and very clearly, which was amazing. And then mm. government caught up with yeah. them and essentially was trying to now catch up with them. Um, yeah, sometimes you've just got to kind of be like, okay, if if the powers that be aren't listening, then I'll shout louder yeah. or I'll shout so they can hear me. I guess it's making us, if there's one thing that's happened out of this, I think we're such an engaged society now. Mm. After Brexit and after Trump, it might seem mm. scary, but... I don't quite even think about America, but 
it, I do feel like we've got a collective purpose. Like there's a sense of we can actually do something and we want to do something. And that yeah. is a nice feeling to be a part of that. Yeah, absolutely. Like um, Gina Martin is a oh, massive amazing. example of that. I always talk about just like the power and that gusto essentially to yeah. kind of do that um, and change the law. Because, you know, she wasn't happy. And she yeah. knew so many people weren't happy. And that's kind of what... Um, I'm trying to do with the petition and campaign that I'm yes. running. And it's like, if you're not happy, then try and do something. <laughs> so Gina Martin changed the law on upskirting, which is when someone takes a picture up the skirt. So I believe someone did it to her festival and then yeah. she couldn't, uh, the police didn't really do anything about it. So it's literally illegal now, which is amazing. <laughs> and Jamie, what is your petition? You were talking about it earlier. So you're starting a petition so people don't have to say female or male on legal documents, right? Yeah, so it's kind of essentially, it started generally looking at just legal documents on mass, so that's like passports, driver's license, uh, birth certificate, and then kind of the main focus of it now is is predominantly looking at passports. However, the petition is um with the government, so it's a government run, you know, one of the gov.uk. Right. Ones, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's got sixteen and a half thousand signatures. So at ten thousand, we got a response. From the <laughs> from the government inequalities committee, and they basically were like, "Yeah, this is bro, sure." Um, it was actually quite a nice response, but then I realised shortly after that, of course, they're going to write something nice because it's a a public response, and b it, right. gets, it got emailed to like everyone who'd signed. Okay, yeah. But they basically were very positive, and they were like, "We understand. We think this is an issue. We're going to do a call to action, which is essentially like reach out and do." kind of like funny focus groups. Um, so that was quite positive. And then I've got to August to get to 100K, okay, which fab. if I'm honest with you, I don't know if I will, but I still think that there is ways for this to move forward rather than having to reach that 100K. Yeah. Because, you know, what I'm trying to do now when I talk about it is use the right language and instead of being like, oh yeah, maybe when if I do this, I'm gonna I'm kind of trying to be like, when I do it, or when it gets into Parliament, yeah. or when it gets there. You also did an amazing post. I just want it because you did some, said something the other day, and you were like, I think social media makes us think that we've already got to achieve all these things and stuff. Mm. And I just want to say to you that ten thousand signatures on a petition is already you've oh. already already achieved something. We're so bad at not recognizing yeah. our achievements. We're always so looking bad. for the next thing. It's so it's so hard, especially when you work for yourself mm. or you you know you don't have the traditional kind of structures of a job for you know I can't go to myself for an appraisal. I know. I mean, well, I can, but but we're appraised. The worst thing is, I thought about this the other day is like when other people go in for like a work appraisal or have their six months. We're every three minutes, someone's oh, yeah. telling you why you're shit. Yeah. You have no, you can't escape it, and it's always people want more. People literally said to me the other day, "I'm disappointed in your content. You're not trying as hard as usually." I'm like, I've you? literally been writing like an article. I've done a TED talk. Like yeah. I've just not been on my stories, and they're like, "You are letting me down." Yeah. <laughs> you're like bloody hell. You're fizzling out. <laughs> yeah, it's this is. Thank you. Yeah, it's 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 a bizarre one because it's like, what six months ago I wouldn't I didn't know I'd be I'd no. be doing this or I'd be kind of trying to essentially bring down the whole government now, um, <laughs> or just like be in government. You yeah. know, I'm trying to now like yes infiltrate. I think so. So I said that to my friend the other day. I was like, God, wouldn't it be hilarious if I was just an MP for a bit? Oh my God, imagine if you were the mayor of London. 
<laughs> Don't you said it now. <laughs> Such a bad idea. But, but do you know what I was thinking about? And I always wondered what my 15-year-old self would do if they could see me now. Because I always think that like, Oh, I'm, because I compare myself, you always compare up, don't you? You know, like, well, they're yeah. doing this and they're doing that. I'm like, actually, if my 15-year-old self was like, oh, my God, she's got, like, a podcast yeah. and like, people actually listen to her. I'd be like, that's amazing. Mm. But my 25-year-old self is like, whatever, you're not even doing anything. Yeah, no, literally. <laughs> I'm, I, it's really important to do that because I'm like, if I, yeah, if I told myself yeah. what I would be doing now, even like, a, to be honest, even like a year ago, I'd be like, are you joking? Yeah. So, because um, I've only been out of uni for a year. So I've only kind of been floating around the world as a faux adult slash worker for, yeah, nearly a year. So it's a bit bizarre. But even what you're doing outside of that, like I've learned so much just from following you because, as I said, I think the way you write is really inclusive, even though you're speaking about what would seem to be quite an exclusive mm. group of people. Yeah. And I think that it's, I don't know, I think it's so fascinating, it's, like, it's so funny, because I remember when I first followed you, I was like, oh my god, their makeup is like this all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and now I met you, and I'm just like, hey Jamie, because that is just your face, and yeah. like, it becomes the norm. Absolutely. Quickly, I wanted to ask you, if you go to the airport, can you wear your makeup? I was just thinking about it when you were talking about passports. Great question. So, <laughs> I, I don't know, because I've only, it's hilarious, I don't know why, I've only ever flown internally. Interesting. So... Like, I'm going to Edinburgh next week, and in November I went to Glasgow. So those are the only two flights I've ever been on. Oh, is there a reason? Are you scared to go abroad? Is that a bit of a jump? Um, I would say it, I would say that is a that is a factor. Yes. Mm. Also, I don't have a passport at the moment. Um, just because. Just because it ran out, and yeah. then I was like, oh yeah, that petition. Um, <laughs> so yeah. Oh, so you're not? Do you want one when it's? So I'm trying. Uh, one. I'm, I'm debating one. it because I'm like, I don't. I don't know if I should be like a full martyr to my cause because I'm like, I don't want to limit myself, but also, yeah. you know, um, I can't landlock myself. <laughs> <laughs> I've had to. I've genuinely had to turn down jobs recently because I'm like, you're going to Brexit yourself. Yeah, I'm literally <laughs> Jexit. I'm just <laughs> segregating off. Um, yes, yeah, so do I haven't. It's a mixture of just like maybe not having the opportunity to fly or like yeah. not having the reason. And then now, because I know how um, stressful it can be, mm. I tend to not. Yeah. So like, when, yeah, so when I fly, I won't wear any makeup just because my passport or my driving license picture is so old anyway. Yeah. That I'm going to be like, they're not going to think it's me anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I get you. Sorry, I was just thinking about that. <laughs> um, okay, so how long got? Oh, we haven't got that one left. Um, the last things I think I wanted to talk to you about were. Oh yeah, that's what I was saying. So first of all, your Instagram name is—is is it the leopard print or just leopard print elephant? Just. Leopard I search print. you all the time, so I should know. <laughs> what? Where did that name come from? Don't. It's so embarrassing. I literally have no idea. Okay. It was just. It just felt right at the time. Yeah, and it's. It's. Do you know what? I don't mind it because I remember when I made it. I was like, "This is really funny because I'm like not a grey elephant, but I'm like a leopard print one." I love that. And I was like, at the time, it was hilarious. But now, I don't mind it. But not to sound like a, a big shot because I'm verified. I can't change it. Can't you? Like easily. Like it's just like I was gonna say normal people. <laughs> no, but if you're not, if you don't have a verified account, you can fairly Stop easily it. change yeah. it but because it's verified and it has to make sure that it's still me if i change it they oh, I have see. to like do it very officially and, like ring them your your name's actually really cool because windust is a really cool surname i think yeah and i want to change it to that because yeah. it, it i also get um 
I don't want to say this in an offensive way to any influencers. Um, I don't mind partaking in the odd influencer campaign. Sure. Like, I find it quite funny. Yeah. Like, it's fun. But because my Instagram is not my name, I think I often get confused as it's just it, like... Yeah. Yeah. What, what's interesting is people always say to me, can you stop having influence on your podcast? And I'm like, actually, none of them are influencers. They're just good at their job and have a master following yes. by proxy of being good at their job. But people mm. are quite lazy and will conflate someone having followers to just automatically being like... That's it, yeah. You're an influencer. Exactly. Um, which I find really irritating because I literally have to be like, no, they're an author or they're a yeah. whatever and they haven't actually... Yeah, that is interesting. What um, In terms of... With the magazine, I actually really want to read it now. But in terms of what's your career path going forward, what's your goal or your dream? Mm. Yeah, I'll go with that first. Quite a big question already. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think for me, it definitely is within the media world, mm. whether that be an editor of somewhere larger or kind of just having that presence. Um, but then also I do, I love the, the fact that I have lots of facets to my job. Yeah, me too. Or my jobs. Like it's just, a, it's really fun because it means I'm never doing the same thing. Um, and I honestly, like no offense to people who work in traditional hour jobs. I just don't know if I, could and that sounds really snobbish but i just don't know if i could now no. i've not now i've now i've yeah. had time to not do it and and have a year of literally managing my own time and my own flexibility it's so i don't think good. i could do it either because i'm the same as you i was straight out of uni and wanted to do like freelance stuff including my influencing <laughs> and it's interesting because i actually think it's a much more natural way of living mm. for instance like i could never normally tell people this but i might have a nap at three o'clock yeah because i've got up at six and then i might have a 20 minute break to watch a bit of something on my laptop yeah. and I'm really productive then whereas try and stuff me in a room mm. from nine to five I will not do anything no. I could have proven that to you by being at uni and at school <laughs> where anytime I was in an actual classroom I did nothing and then when I was given creative space I would do my work which could have been at four in the morning or 8pm it was never in those designated because yeah. I think any kind of restriction if you put it on me I will just go the other way and be like I'm going to be silly now <laughs> yeah sorry <laughs> no, that's the exact same as me like I, I I, can't and it sounds really childish but like I don't like authority yeah I know I think I'm the same in some circumstances because I'm like especially when it comes to me creating something mm. or me doing something I'm like fine <laughs> I was like fine yeah I'll do that for then sure but like yeah I just obviously it, it, that's it's a very privileged position to be in to be like I am yeah. working for myself like it took but then it, also it took a lot of hard that's work that's the thing so I always feel very lucky and very privileged and I realised my boyfriend said to me once he was like but you've got this constitution to do he's like I could never do that I don't know how you live like from one not knowing when you're going to get paid he was like that would put me off enough to not even start because mm. you just might not get paid for like six months for jobs you did yeah. <laughs> um, and then just being able to do creative and like not, and that is actually just it's just a personality type but I think we're mm. so used to praising type A personalities and people that want these certain things that you feel like oh. I'm so lucky when actually it's yeah. quite hard being freelance and juggling five jobs. Yeah. But it just, because it looks so fun and it, and they are the fun jobs, it doesn't mean that it's not yeah, exactly. work in of itself. Because I think people think that they see, you know, they see us going wherever or, or we're at an event or whatever and it, it looks really fun. And like, of course, yeah, it is. And, it's, yeah. and it, can, it can often be really fun. But also what they don't see is us like sat for days on emails being yeah. like, please can I do this? Yeah, exactly. Please. Or all the rejections you get. Yeah, like the, um, the yeah, the, this mass amount of no's yeah. or not replies. 
um, I think that's I get that a lot. I I get critiqued, um, which I stop caring about. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> it's people just being like, people give you things because you look how you do, and I'm like, actually, if you really break down what you've just said, yeah. it's the complete opposite. Yeah. Um, as people just think that I'm handed things, and it's like, well, no, I. What's important to remember, especially like if you are freelance, is you don't necessarily know the trail of what you're doing. You don't know where it's going to go. So mm. you could think that this tiny job that you, you're getting paid for is just a tiny job, but you yeah. don't know who's going to see it, and that's going to then lead to a big job. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting. It's so true. Actually, I found that because also in the beginning of my career, it was very much like I could have taken like a different route and there were quite well-paid like fitnessy things that I never did because in the back of my mind, I was like, they don't, I know they're not going to sit in line with my future, what I want to do. Yeah. And those choices can be really hard because a lot of the time, the really well-paid things are the things that you actually really don't want to do. Yeah. And it'll be a random event that you happen to say yes to because you're in a good mood, even though it's like really the opposite side of London and you really <laughs> can't be asked. And you go there and that turns into an amazing relationship with the brand or something. Yeah. And it is very much like you have to have quite a happy-go-lucky mm. personality. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you, because this episode is going to be called How to Be Unapologetically You, mm-hmm. if you had a piece of advice to give to people who maybe feel like they are finding it difficult to be themselves or feel like they're being shoved into a box, do you have any advice that you would give to try and be yourself? Um, <laughs> I think the best piece of advice I always try and give is to take your time because mm. I think what can happen is people see people like myself who, you know, I'm still fairly young and, sorry, I'm young, not fairly young, like 12. Um, <laughs> I And they kind of see me and they I think they think that I happened overnight physically. Like, or they think that... It, it was quite an, maybe an easy process or a quick process to get here. And it's like, if you try and do everything at once, you're going to, unfortunately, and that's not your fault, but get hit by society's prejudice and mm. wall of kind of just like anger. Um, so take your time and make sure that you try and surround yourself with people who respect your boundaries and aren't toxic. Um, and I know that is easier said than done, especially if you're young and you're kind of not able to fly the nest yet or you're surrounded by family that might be problematic mm. um you know use social media to cultivate your own community especially for queer people and lgbtq plus people social media is essentially like having your other family in your hand yeah. um so yeah that's what I'd say. I love that. Give it a go, guys. Amazing. And if everyone I've mentioned we if we want to find you online mm-hmm. or anywhere else you are so on Instagram, it's at Leopard Print Elephant. And then Twitter is at Fab, Jamie Fab. Love. Not sure why. Um, and yeah, Fruitcake Magazine is Instagram is at Fruitcake Magazine. And then I'm going to put your, I'll put your link to petition in the show notes. Thank you. And do you have anything else that's upcoming or that people can come to? Um, do I? It's a great question. Um, I mean, it's not coming. I mean, it's not coming now. But next year, I'm releasing a book. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. So many things happened. <laughs> uh, can you tell us a preface or not? Yeah. So I mean, he hasn't told me. I can't. So sure. Okay, fine. Here's it's an just, exclusive. <laughs> basically, just like me, which is hilarious when he told me. It's just like a non-binary guide to existence. So like Love me, that. basically giving at the moment. I'm writing the chapter on dating, which is really hilarious. Um, just giving hilarious anecdotes of my life and then actual practical advice on how to be like 
So it's a book on how to not follow the rules, basically. Essentially, yeah, a rule book. For, for no rules. Oh, my God, I've needed a name for a while. There we go. <laughs> Got it. It's like when Hermione's like, it's kind of fun breaking the rules. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm really cool. Love that so much. Thank you so much for listening, guys. And thank you so much, Jamie, for coming on. I've absolutely loved it. Thank you. I will see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Jesse Cruikshank. Jesse Cruikshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout. Because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.